Hello then, and welcome to the episode of the Gareth Boot Podcast. Um, and today I've got a guest, and a guest that's uh, no stranger to this uh, this podcast channel or this studio. We have with us today the harpist, Rianne Evans. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> when we, we last time we did a podcast was outside. I built. No, it wasn't. We did the one outside at the sculpture park, and then we did we tried it online at the beginning of lockdown. Remember, we tried oh, to do it via yes, Zoom. I remember that one? We want a great experience. That I didn't think. Um, because it's not the because you've got to wait for the lag. Yeah, it became a bit uncomfortable. Well, this is good, and then I also kind of made a guest appearance in one of your shorter ones about walking. Yeah, I mentioned you walking. Well, that's why you're here today. You've been dragged in. You've been dragged in to talk about um, to talk about really physical stuff. The one thing with you is we've we've been on a journey in this kind of we've been mentoring together for a little while now, and. Really, in the last 12 months, you've done a lot with your um, fitness and your health. Yes. And you've kind of become a big, avid lover of the great outdoors. Oh, can't do without it. And that's what I want to talk about, because that's not a journey that, that really... I'm not, I don't say it came easy to you. It was not something that you were actually... You were into. You, you know, if I go back when I first met you, you know, I, I think the concept of you walking any distance would have been kind of laughed at. Well, when I first added you as a Facebook friend, I saw pictures of you doing walks with Sue and I was like, what are they doing that for? Why are they wasting their time doing that? You would be surprised how many people think that. <laughs> um, because to, to, the, to the untrained eye and to anybody who hasn't experienced it, there, there does come this sense of why would you on a weekend when you're supposed to be relaxing and chilling out, why would you spend time you know, walking up a big hill somewhere, getting wet or getting muddy? Mm. And And the problem is, it's very difficult to explain to people why you do it until they actually until you've do done it. it. Yeah, and that's the one thing I think you've done. And again, what I want to talk about here is is your kind of how you have embraced the outdoors and and what it's given you since you took it to a, a different level. I don't like using that word actually. That's a very coachy thing to say. You're taking it to a different level, and it, it, but but it's the only thing I can kind I of explain. It's mm. it's a bit like when we start anything new. Our perception of what's difficult or not difficult is very different to what our perception of what's difficult or not difficult is maybe six or 12 months down the line, if and only if you're consistent. Yeah. And you've been very consistent. So I think it'd be interesting to talk about how you found lockdown because, you know, you have you were part of an industry that got pretty much wiped out. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that first because yep. you, you had been kind of reinventing yourself to some degree as a harpist um, in the last... I would say the start of 2019, you, you started to move more away from orchestral work yes. into doing more weddings. Background music teaching. Background music teaching. And yep. also, you also got the chance in 2019 to try a couple of like little recitals, didn't you? Where the solo projects. I was thinking about the other day, how much I'd enjoyed them, you know. I remember how much you enjoyed them because there was always a pattern occurred, which I think the reason why you probably don't do orchestral as much is there was always a level of tension around orchestral work for you, mm. um, mainly because... From what I understand, they were very challenging. You, you, you were, you had a gig told to you at last minute notice. Yeah, you didn't get music to practice till a few hours yeah. before. No. So, from you being a bit of a perfectionist, and I suppose any musician wants to do a job well, anybody wants to do a job well. Um, th them kind of time scales and the limits to time and the kind of last minute stuff wasn't really working. No, and the driving as well yeah. got worse and worse. But you did a big gig. Um, and you, you mentioned this to me, and I kind of thought, you said it to me as almost like as a throwaway matter-of-course thing. Well, you said, oh, yeah, I'm doing a, a gig where I'm this guy, a singer. Who's this? Oh, Louis Capaldi. 
That was the gig of last year, wasn't but, but it? But that's Louis Capaldi, <laughs> and I'm thinking, hang on, that's Louis Capaldi, who happens to be at the moment probably one of the, the best, um, certainly the most popular singers we have in our country. Yeah. And you were sat there on the stage. I'm not exactly sitting next to him, but you were Quite accompanying close. him with, yeah. his, with his renditions of his, of his popular music. Yeah, and he was great. He was so funny to work with as well. What a sense of humour. But I, I, I almost felt that that was the time when the orchestral work, it, it kind of, that wasn't orchestral work as such. There was an added element to it, which I think you really enjoyed. You really seemed to enjoy that gig. That was one that I remember you, you, you enjoyed the run-up to it. Yeah. You enjoyed doing it. You had some great photographs taken. Yeah, there was some interesting, you know, the, the music itself was interesting too. But it was just, I always like doing something that isn't just, a, you know, like a yeah. straight concert performance. So at the start of lockdown, your potential for doing any orchestral work was removed instantly, as everybody else's was. Yeah. And that must have been a strange feeling to think all of a sudden, all and, and the weddings had gone as well. I had 25 weddings booked this year. So from a financial perspective, as a business, you know, that must be, hang on a minute, that's pretty much, I'm guessing, 90% of your work yes. had gone. Yeah. With with 25, because how many do a year? About 30, 30. Well, 30 last year was two. This year was so much better, and I'd worked so hard for it, and so many fairs, advertising, all this stuff. And I'm just so ready for a good year. And this is, sorry to swear, but this has been the shittest 2020 ever, hasn't it? How so polite far. you are. I thought you were going to come out with some horrible <laughs> expletive and it's shit. Oh, okay. Hey, look, I, I don't think anybody's not going to be affected by this year. Some people may be affected in a different way. Yeah. What's interesting, though, is I have seen, and I, I've got to say I'm probably, I've experienced a couple of people who have really taken the the period of, of lockdown and, and, and what it took away badly. I mean, very badly. Mm. But you chose to embrace something else through lockdown, which is what we're talking about today, which is you decided to do more physical activity. You couldn't do the work in the opera. Yeah. So you no. had two choices. You could sit there and lick your wounds. Yeah, mope. And, and mope and, and we'll talk about how bad it is. Yeah. But you actually looked and thought, hang on, there's another opportunity here that I won't have got or would not have got if it wasn't for coronavirus. And that is I've got the ability now to have more time yep. to do something else. Yes. So two things you've done this year. Mm. You've had a little play about with your house and tidied that up a little bit. Started. Oh, yeah, I've done a big declutter, yeah. Yeah. So you did the declutter of your house, which was something you'd been getting because you were saying you didn't have the time. You'd put that off. Mm. So you took that on this year. And and then you really embraced this concept of saying, well, what I can do is spend more time outside. Yes. I And in many ways, I'm quite fortunate because I've got the part-time job. You know, but I worked hard to get that job because I got fed up with not having any money coming in regularly. So I work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays at the shop and then the rest of the time, Thursdays now I teach online and the rest of the time is mine because usually Saturdays, Friday, Saturdays would have been weddings. Now that's gone. What am I going to do? Sit at home, moping, cooking, sleeping, staying in bed, being well, depressed, or get out and get do something. Yeah. Well, I think I think what you've done, which which was always something I kind of you know I have to say I encourage you to do, um, and that's not to like to big myself up, is because I think a lot of people don't underestimate the potential of instead of struggling with something, is to find a way of taking some of that pressure off. And and when you got the job at Sainsbury's, mm. a, it's local to you. Yeah. Secondly, it's a very small branch, so it's kind yeah. of got a different feel to it than, yeah. a, than, a, than a large supermarket. But what it did is it took a lot of pressure off you. Yeah. And mm. I think what people don't under, understand is that pressure 
affects you, even if you don't think it affects you, it does affect your decision making, it affects your energy levels. Mm. And one of the worst pressures we can ever have is the feeling that we're, we're going to be skint. Because yeah. it's not the fact that we don't have money that worries us as human beings, because we've all had times we've had no money. Mm. But we take this catastrophic thinking to think that I won't have any money, I'll lose my house. I'll be... So before you know it, this idea of I might lose my job turns into you in your head thinking, I'm living in a cardboard box in a city centre. I'm not going to survive. I'm not going to survive. Mm. And, it, and it's catastrophic thinking. And in many cases, is is, is ridiculous thinking. But mm. it's but it happens. So you can't call it ridiculous because it does happen. We mm. all do it. Mm. But I think the, the fact that you had that Sainsbury's job, I, I certainly, from a, a mentor's perspective, saw you grow in your role in that shop in the last, in the, in the first period of lockdown. Because you became the front line, really. When everybody else was out of work and struggling, you, you were up there with the NHS as people that were keeping yeah. this country going. Yeah. And I think you thrived in that. We were key workers, weren't we? And, you know, it was, <clears throat> in so many ways, it was nice to have somewhere to go and to have to go out and, and see people and help them, reassure them, you know, that everything was being cleaned. Um, and But, you know, the roads were so quiet. Did have to pay for parking. I shouldn't say that, but there were so many pluses, and I was lucky to go out and see people. But interesting, you said something there that there were a lot of pluses, and I think whenever anything comes along like a pandemic, and and bear in mind, I said that as though you know I know what happens in a pandemic regularly. This is the first one I've experienced. But when difficult times come, there always is an opportunity. So mm. you see, sometimes you can't change the circumstances that you're in, but you can change your response to them. That's something you inspired me. Because you said at the beginning of COVID, you said, well, either <clears throat> we can make the most of this or not. So, Well, I've always believed what you should look at is, yes, we, we can spend all day looking at negative things and we can get ourselves worked up about something that may or may never happen. And let's be quite honest, COVID has been serious. A lot of people have died that should, that, that you know, people would rather they didn't have died. You know, there's 41,000, whatever it is now, 40,000 people have lost their lives. And that's that's a tragedy. Is that UK? That's the UK. Mm. I mean, look at it worldwide. You know, it's, it's approaching a number of millions of people. It's a lot of people. But in those times of adversity and difficulty, it doesn't always help to stay in the fear and the worry. You've got to look at the possibility. As, as unpalatable as some of the possibility might look. So... I think the exciting thing for me in COVID was when it when it happened was I thought this is an opportunity for me to maybe do something I've not done, which is to slow down a bit hmm. and start to be more grateful for what I'd got. Maybe start to consider how I would do my work differently if this was long term. So it's certainly up to my idea now of working online more. Yeah. And Sue, you know, obviously, you know, Sue and people listen to the podcast and that's my partner. Um, Sue's yoga went online and that yeah. seems to have worked really well. She's more relaxed, isn't she? Because she's, you seem more I'm, relaxed. I'm, I've got to say, I, I feel very, I feel good at the moment. I feel mm. very physical. But we're gonna, I mean, this is a long way coming around to the physical side. But I think this backstory is important because I think there's there's a couple of things that the listeners can get out of this. One is that Sue's work went online. Your teaching went online. Yeah. And then what Sue's clients were saying to her and the feedback she was getting, not just through the feedback from the people taking the course, but also the numbers attending her classes, was that to some degree. People actually preferred, preferred the online. Mm. And I think you said something similar about your online stuff, your, your teaching. People seem to be more, um, hap- they seem happy to come to a class now that's online to be taught. Yep. You know, there's many people saying, I can't make it today because they're at home. And there's, there's almost a level of comfortableness people have got about interacting via Zoom, which I'm guessing you use, something yes. similar. Yep. Um, and I think that's a good thing. 
And people feel more relaxed in their own surroundings. Yes. They don't have to travel. That's the thing. They're, on, they, they're playing their own harps. So that's... So the, I think the reason I'm as calm as I am is the one thing I have not done much of through lockdown drive. is travel and drive. And mm. I find that... I don't find driving difficult, as in, you know, not to do it. But it, it's an element of... It's not so much the, the, the um, practice of getting in a car and pressing pedals and turning a steering wheel. It's the fact you're in this quite at times aggressive chat you know if you go on the m62 at four o'clock on a friday afternoon you know you're almost like it's like a war zone at times yep so i think there's been a lot of interesting changes and the one thing that i think i certainly recognize as an opportunity for 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 the lockdown was okay we can't go to the theaters or some of the restaurants and we can't go to the pubs and we can only go to limited shops and we can't go out much but we can go out and have our right to exercise every day so i embrace that from day one Mm. And you did the same. Yep. So I look back to when we first started this beginning of the year. I'd already put it out there in January that my goal this year was to do a thousand miles in one year. And you'd played and thought about that idea. Well, I was still swimming. January, February, March, I was still swimming. But then the pool shut and my little local pool doesn't look like it's going to open this year, I'd say. So swimming's all gone. So I had to do something. And the closest thing for me was running. Was running. So what then actually happens is you start off this year thinking, well, you know, maybe I could I could just do a bit more running. And you, you embrace that. And and what I found really comforting and, 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 and if I'm honest, inspirational was how many people in the early part of lockdown were out on a morning exercising. Mm. Mm. You know, there, there were people out there. And, and the thing you'll know now um, and certainly I've known for a while, is you can recognise a new runner or a new walker. Yeah. You can recognise the gear they wear, you yeah. can as how they do it, to be honest. And the majority of people I was seeing out in the morning when I was running were not runners. Not the they were, they were people crowd. that were going out and literally exercising because of the lockdown. Yeah. And I felt really good that that was happening because there was, there was a lot of them. And I mm. think, I mean, some of the first mornings, you know, there'd be maybe a dozen other runners out there. Hmm. I have to say it's dwindled. Yep, I agree. Uh, and and the people out now that run, if I'm honest, a lot of them are runners. You know, if I say you can tell the difference, they are runners now. All the others are in Spain. <laughs> I'm not sure they are. Do you know what it is? <laughs> I think th- there comes a point where you have to make a decision about your well-being and your health to say, I'm going to make this a thing, regardless of whether I want to do it or not want to do it, regardless of whether it's nice or not out there. Regardless of whether I feel I've got time or I don't feel I've got time, I'm going to commit to doing mm. an element of fitness, whatever that element is. So if we got into an habit, um, and I say we because you had this habit also, of pretty much going out every day and covering 5K. Yeah. Three miles, 3.1 yeah. miles. And that for me was was the start of your journey into what you've become in this last two or three months, really. Because bear in mind, this is six months. So the first three months of lockdown where you if you like, loading your legs. Yeah. You were getting more comfortable to being outside for, for 30 minutes, for minutes. You were starting to do a bit more exploring of the area you were in. Yes. And then there was a tipping point when we could, the bubbles happened. Yes. Because then, you know, because you were single and because nobody else comes to your house, you could have another family visit, which yeah. happened to be me and Sue. And we, we said one day, let's let's go up to Rianne's and let's go for a walk around Meltham. Mm-hmm. Which we did. It was about 10 miles, wasn't it? We did 10 miles. Up we, to Black Hill. We did, did we do Black Hill the first time? Yes, we did do Black Hill. Yes. And that changed everything because what I'd realised is 
Although you'd lived there for such a long period of time, there were places you'd never been never to. Never been to. You'd heard of Black Hill. Yep. You'd seen it from a distance. And heard t- horrible stories about it because it was really scary and, oh, dangerous. And it's a big pussycat. Well, <laughs> the, 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 the thing about Meltham is because of where it is and because it's exposed, even if it's kind of warm everywhere else, it can be quite challenging up there from a weather perspective. Yes. But that was the first time you stepped into what I call, that's the first time you, you went into this, this, this realm of being a proper hiker. Yeah, I think so. Because we, we have water around the sculpture park. We've, yeah. we've done a bit of running on the canal and all that's nice and all I'd, that's part of it. And I've been on a couple of meet-up walks meet-up as well. Meet-up walks. But this was the first time you stepped into a, a more challenging environment. Yes. And, and I really enjoyed... Like a hill. Well, yeah, yeah like a hill. Okay. Well, because what's, what I didn't really know at the time and... It became very clear on the first walk we did up in Meltham is how close you are to the Pennine Way and to some very open land. I thought it was like miles away, but it's two miles. less than an hour, isn't it? It's two, it's two miles. If you think about it, it's, it's a, you, you know, Wesenden Head. Mm. What was it called? Wesenden Head. Wesenden Head. So I, wanted to, I want you to, to tell, talk me through this feeling of when you first started going out running and you first started doing your 5K. Mm. Now, let's, let's be clear so anybody listening understands where we both are from a perspective of runners. I am not a quick runner. I'm not a runner. And I, I don't, don't ever like class r- myself as a runner. I, I enjoy my... <laughs> I, I look at this. I have I every morning I cover 5K on foot as quickly as I can. Yeah. Or feel comfortable doing it. That's a nice so way of putting we're it. Not, we're, not here, we're not kind of runners. We're no more, more farters. You know, we run at a, very, a pace which is relatively slow compared to most competitive yeah. or even fun runners. We're I quite slow. I think I'm slow. getting slower and I quite like no, that. No, you're developing a... I'll talk about that in a bit because you're developing something. Um, but so, so you started off with this idea of could I consistently go out yeah. on a morning? So how did that feel when you first started to do it? Did that lift your mood? Look, that's why I do it. Basically, I don't. I I'm not sporty. I got called all sorts of things at sports in school. I was terrible at sports. Never got picked on a team. I can't throw a ball. But as soon as I got out, I just feel so much better even if I have to stop for a few seconds or slow down run a bit then walk a bit it's just the feeling afterwards is what I do it for the endorphins and it puts me in a good mood for the rest of the day naturally well that's the thing is natural no substances and and (laughs) well I mean look you don't drink and again you know I've been a bit helpful in allowing you not to drink you've you've had that well okay I (laughs) sobered you up and got you on a straight and um, and having having gone through that my journey myself in in a slightly more I was way more although you felt you had an issue with alcohol and and maybe you wanted to cut it down I was forced to stop when mm. mine was that bad mm. but what I started to to see with you was the fact that when you take out something like alcohol out of your life and also things like smoking mm. and stuff like that um you're really only left with a couple of things that will give you any kind of that buzz that you might want to feel sometimes, one of which is exercise, but the mm. other tends to be food. Yep. So what you, what I know a lot of people do is they tend to find solace in food and eat too much. And exercising, especially very simple, short walking or running around where you live, is, is available to everybody. Yeah. Because mm. The point I'm making is I don't want people to think you have to run at a certain pace to, to be classed as a runner or you have to walk at a certain pace to be classed as a walker. If you go out and move on foot, that's what you're aiming to do. Yep. And that's what you did and you expanded on it. So the first time we went out running, when you came across here once we went to the canal 
And it's the first time I'd taken, you'd gone above 10 miles. Yeah. And we did yeah. it on the flat and yeah. it was very sedentary. Sedentary? Sedentary. Sedentary. Pace. But from that point there, which was probably maybe 12 months ago, to where you are now, there's been a massive shift. Yeah. Both in your stamina. Yeah. And your pace. And so although you're still not quick yeah. in distances. Mm. So... Let's talk about some of the highlights of, of the of this lockdown walking. So we did we did the ten miles in Meltham. Yes. What was the next one? When the next one we took on a bit further because you'd never done twenty miles. Well, we went to White towards White Hill, didn't we? So we went towards. We worked a plan now, which was to get on the Pennine Way, not far from you, and keep going down a path for ten miles, mm. turn around and come back. Come back, yeah. And I thought that was a great day. Look, that was the pinnacle for me. There's been, I know, there's been long walks and mountains and stuff since but just the feeling I got from that day has got me hooked on it because I felt like all of me my head my body everything had been cleansed like deep cleansed yeah but you you kind of um you do this a lot you talk about this idea of purging the stuff and it, you make it into a big deep thing but what, it was. What, what it what it did <laughs> what I, what I recognize there is you, you started to you started to really embrace what the outdoors was about. I was buzzing for two days. I remember because, but I remember <laughs> we were walking and I think we, we just got we got to black we got towards White Hill and we got to ten miles and decided to come back because um, we wanted to twenty miles and White Hill was just a bit further and arguably we should have gone there but we didn't. So we sat having his little sandwiches, then we set off back and I think another sort of two miles down the road you start skipping off in front. You were all excited. Oh, just buzzing. And I says to Sue, I says. It's so much well, at 12 miles, I said, I give it to 14, I said, and she'll, she'll drop. And t- literally, t- t- as, as the mileometer went t- t- to 14, there were this, oh, I'm tired now. I need some sugar. I need some sugar. <laughs> so you were, you were kind of uh, rifling through my, my pockets and bags looking for jelly babies <laughs> and gels and things. But because w- what I recognised with you was, you'd had that endorphin rush of I've done 10 miles. It all seems dead easy. But like with anything... When you do it longer, like I've got a bit more experience with walking than you, I do know that it's not sometimes the distance that's the problem. It's how long you've been on your feet. Yeah. Mm. So once you've got to your feet where you've been on your feet for about five hours, you start to get tired. Yeah. And it dropped, and you dropped a little bit. But then as we got towards the end of the walk, you picked up again. And, it got really hot, didn't and it? And we because got chance. Cool in the we morning. got chance. You went, you, you got, I know Sue loves to do this. And I had to, because I wanted to sort of see how quick we could get back. And then we had the opportunity thrown at us to, not swim but paddle oh paddle put our feet in that cold water it was amazing so so this idea of it's a warm day we've just done the best part at that point of 16 miles we took our shoes and socks off and put them in a river and steam came off yeah (laughs) but but that that for me is what walking in the outdoors is about it's about recognizing those little moments Mm. because if you all you're bothered about is going quickly or if you're running all you're bothered about is doing a fast time Mm. You miss the opportunity sometimes to see something and yeah. just expand and say, do you know what? I'm just going to take a few minutes here to, yeah. to enjoy this because this might not happen again, mm. just like this. So the mm. fact that we'd come down a quite steep hill, we were warm. Yep. It just felt good to think, well, let's just have 20 minutes with yep. his feet in this pool. And that was lovely. And I remember that that's the bit of the walk I remember the most. Is it? Mm. Because I just thought, wow, because I w- that was a learning for me because mm. it, it, it was... I was getting a wee bit competitive with me walking in, in, in certain points as, as I didn't suit once. I thought, oh, I could do this really quickly. Mm. So I could get some get some pace up here. Mm. But it's more about enjoying the process in the moment. And mm. I think that's why you've stayed with this because you've never pushed yourself too hard. 
you've you've challenged yourself with your different levels of walking yep. and different distances. But because you haven't put yourself to a point where it was way out of your comfort zone and uncomfortable and nasty, Mm-mm. you're then very happy to try it again. In your mind, you say, oh, 20 miles, my God, that's so far. But when you come to it, and if you're in the right company, it's just... It's straightforward, isn't it? One foot in front of the other. Well, people often say, you know, you've got to walk 20 miles. Well, actually, you don't have to walk 20 miles. You just have to walk one mile 20 times, and it's very different. Mm. So putting it. The, the way that you... The way that you kind of took on that, because then I think the following week you did something which I thought was, you know, for you was brave. I mean, you know, you you did Black Hill by yourself then. Yeah, yeah. So you you wouldn't have gone up. You didn't, you, we took you up Black Hill the first time. You know, this kind of as you'd put it, oh, it's all scary up there, and you know, it, it is a pull up that hill. It's not it's not exactly flat. But then you went to yourself, and I thought that showed again another step forward in your advancement. Yeah. That, that you'd now said, you know, what, I'm now comfortable enough to follow a path to know where I am. <laughs> To understand the bailout points that I might need them. Yeah. And to be sensible enough to do it. So you went up Black Hill, which was a big deal. So if you think about the, the six-month period from March up to now, you know, you started off by doing a bit of running. So at the point we'd done that 20 miles, you were still actively doing your running every day. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And like now, because we are follow each other on Strava and, and I keep me on you with it, you know, you're you're very, very consistent. You must you must be out. At, you're, you're out five times a week. At least, yeah. Maybe six. Yeah. If I could, I'd go twice a day, but I just, I know that's too much. <laughs> well, that's a very real thing to do. <laughs> yes, it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up on that because that's something if people listen to, you've got to be careful of. You can do too much. Yeah. Because by going out twice a day, you've got to think, well, what does that give me? And also, you've got to be careful of what you're maybe avoiding by going out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what people can sometimes do is they can take on something like walking and they love doing it and out there there's a lot of peace and all tranquility. And and they'll, people say, well, you know, I get a chance to rest my mind from what's going on at home or mm. I, I get a chance to, you know, get away from work. Well, actually, part of the process is being able to handle that as well. Yeah, exactly. And not hide in the hills because it's very easy to hide in the hills. It can be an escapism, can't it? Exactly. So yeah, I, think, I think you've got a very comfortable level now which allows you to exercise yep enjoy it and and it's not anymore uh you're not hiding from anything mm. it's become part of who you are now yep mm-hmm. so you bought some new gear as well haven't you tell us about your purchases this uh, this summer what well, have you bought i've bought a pair of trail running shoes because i know i know um i was having problems using my running shoes on the rocky terrain that is you know just outside my doorstep basically and I've got my running shoes for road running, but I like to go out just in the in the woodlands and there's lots of stones and rocks and stuff and it's quite slippery. So I've decided to get some Innovate trail talons. That's what they call trail talons. So I feel like a bird on the trail. A bird on the trail. Yeah. The, the thing with... with expanding your knowledge into this what you've done is you've now started to look and, and the kit you're getting is more in, in line with that kind of trail running well because bimbling. do you remember um what's his name damien hall was doing the pennine way and i yeah. went up to have a look at how he was running and, and saw him go past and he's you know he uses innovate so i just thought <sighs> well just for people who don't understand what Rianne's talking about there well, let's we'll educate you on this <coughs> The Pennine Way is 268 miles from a place in um, Derbyshire called Edale, right up to a place just above the, the Scottish border called Kirk Yetham. 
268 miles, and, and it basically goes up what people refer to as the spine of England. It's like that. So there, there is a race called the Spine Race where they do it. And um, this year, a guy called John Kelly, who's an American, and a lad from England called um, Damien, is it Hill? Hall. Hall. They decided to take on a challenge, which was to do it in, in what's called FKT, which stands for Fastest, fastest Known, known time. time. So the fastest known time previously was by, held by a guy that sold it um, for about 39 years. He broke it in 1989 or something. It was a ridiculous long time ago. So he, so, so he set off to do it, did um, John Kelly, and he beat it. Mm. He beat it by about two or three hours. Mm. Didn't beat it by much because it was a good time anyway. And then a, a, about a week later, <laughs> after this has stood for 39 years, Damon, <laughs> Damon Hall sets off and, and he beats the time again. He smashes it. So this, this John Kelly has got the um, ability to say, I, I broke the 39-year-old record. But I held it for less than seven days. It must be gutted. <laughs> the, they're friends as well, by the way. Yeah, I know, I know. So they've trained together. So mm. I think there was talk. Somebody always had to try it first. And I think it was always going to be the case that one or other oh, of them would... would, wow. would they, they weren't going to do it exactly the same time. Mm. So somebody's always going to do it quicker. Um, but what's interesting is, because you've now got more into being outdoorsy, looking at that, that's the kind of stuff you're watching now. You're watching people doing these adventures. <gasps> Because what we get, what we have an interest in, we tend to focus on. Mm, yeah. So I, I love my Innovate gear, and I'm, I'm a bit of an Innovate um, whore, you know. <laughs> so I like to get like to, because because I know it works, I know it feels good, I know it's bit built fit for purpose, and it's not as expensive as some as. Well, let's be honest. Gear. So so we we have to give a fair you know a fair assessment of everything on this podcast. It's not cheap. But you know, I think it's it's quality and value for me. Yeah. So this this what I've seen, and this has been really exciting to watch you go through. This is from somebody who, when I first met you, were incredibly unfit. Well, I had a I'm having a little drink of water. Tell people more. While I'm just I had a drink. pair of Salomon walking shoes, which I basically used to walk to the co-op, which is about half half a mile away, less than that even. You went from that into somebody now throughout lockdown who has, who has grown to, into me into somebody who's now. Boarding on that level of being an efficient outdoor walker. And I say efficient because the one thing we, the next plan with is to get you to understand navigation. Navigation and map reading and stuff. So, the one thing I was really excited to do when we did that a couple of weeks ago with you, me, you, and Sue went up to Hartley and Rulesdale and we took you up Penny again. Mm. So, that was the highest hill you've been up to date. Was Penny again? That's the highest point you've been. What about Edel? Don't miss out Edel Skyline. Oh, I forgot the Edel Skyline. How could I have forgotten that? Right. Come on. So you'd advanced skip to a back. point, skip, skip back. back. So you'd done your running, we'd done a couple of back hill walks from the 20 miles. And I thought, we want another challenge for you. Because I think the important thing when you're doing any kind of outdoor activity is you keep it interesting and you keep it challenging. Mm. So you've always got something that's just pushing you a little bit mm. further. Mm. So you've done 20 miles. And I know of a route in, in Edale called the Edale Skyline, which Ooh, is... Peak District, isn't in it? In the Peak District. And that involves doing 22 miles then thereabouts. Around, it's basically all the way around Edale. Yeah. But it involves going up one or two decent hills yeah. across some quite good terrain. And we took you on that. And you love that Edale Skyline. Except for that first hill. The warm-up hill oh, is that, a killer. That first hill is a bitch. But Sue was just like up, up it like a whippet, wasn't she? She was straight up there. Well, you've got to remember something about Sue. She's walked a long time. Yeah. She's very efficient. She's very good uphill. But also, what we know about that route, and you probably didn't, is once you got to that first, that top, that first hill... That's pretty much the worst to be out of the way for a while. Yeah. So you can't have out up there. Because there's something I often say, you can't you can't do a good time in your first two miles of a walk, of a distance walk, 
but you can certainly mess yourself up in them two times. Yeah, time. okay. Mm. So I, we, we'd set off that morning and I says, we, 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 we had an intention to keep it a certain pace. Mm. Because if you couldn't keep to that pace going to the first one, then we have to start to reevaluate the rule. Yeah, the, yeah. Because the one thing that I've, I always encourage people to be walking is, if you decide to set up and walk somewhere like the Edale Skyline or Black Hill or Penny Gent or Three Peaks, whatever it is you're going to do, and for some reason you're not feeling it or the conditions change, you bail. Yeah. Mm. Because them hills will still be there next year, mm. next month, next week. You have to ensure you are. Yep. And so many people come a cropper walking because they just, they didn't use sensibility. Mm. I must do this. And where at times you do need to push. So so we had a pace, basically. We had the first the first seven miles we had to do in a certain time. Because yep. if we didn't do them in a certain time, we would have really struggled with the with the, the next with the next fourteen miles, which yeah. is what it was. So you did really well up that first hill, and and then that Edale skyline, and we were actually blessed that day with some really good conditions. It was perfect, wasn't it? We had some really good views. Yeah, and I think of all the walks that I do, it's probably the prettiest. Uh, it's, it's one of my favourites doing really the skyline. It was really beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's quite. When you look back at the, when you get to Mamtor, um, and you go around the corner, and you then start to get to a place called Kinder Scout, you can see down a valley, and you can see all the hills you've done. And it's green and lush. And it's lush and you can see the little river running through it. Mm. But I, I love taking on that because you really you really kept you really held your own. Towards Until the back end you started to last fourteen hill. miles, I think, where I had a bit of a strop because I was just tired, fed up. Well, we had lunch. We hung our feet over the edge of a hill somewhere and, and had some sandwiches. Sandwiches. But tea. Th- this again is is how you've embraced it because you wouldn't have done that eight, you would not you wouldn't, you couldn't have done that eighteen months ago. But because you stay consistent with your exercise. So I often say to you, when it's cold and it's wet and you're doing your, your road running mm. and you think, why am I doing this? That's it's why. why, that's mm. why. So then you can do Edale Skyline. <laughs> then you can go up Black Hill. Yeah. Then you can take 25 miles on the Pennine Way. Then you can consider doing other things. Yeah. So yeah, the Edale Skyline I thought was a really good, a good mm. bit. And, and again, you learn a lot on that. I think you learn a lot about your footwear because that's was when that? you. That was twenty miles, isn't it? Twenty odd miles, twenty one miles. Out. Mm. I think it was twenty two by the time we got back to the car, mm. and we celebrated with our um, kind of lemon <laughs> lemon juice, whatever it is, lemonade, seven San Pellegrino or something. The pasta. The pasta. If you go with a tradition, as that. It used to be a tradition when we walked that we carried pork pies and sausages with us. Then we went vegan, <laughs> so it became kind of. Um, sort of salad sandwiches then we've, we've moved to having a bit of egg now so we have a bit of eggs so we have egg sandwiches but we've we've now re- replaced the pot party um tradition with a can of fizzy orange juice or lemon juice at mm. the end mm. san pellegrino it's a thing but when we got back there and did that that then i knew at that point then you you as long as you kept maintaining you improved your your time you improved your fitness um was that the first day we introduced you to sticks yes it was she started using sticks in your walks, and that, and made that a big was amazing. Yeah, really good. It was a very good upper body workout, and my posture was much better for it. Well, it takes pressure off your knees as well. People don't understand using sticks. You know, some people don't use them. I, I tend to use them. Mine, anything above twenty miles, that's on the hills. If only twenty miles flat, I wouldn't take them. But mm. anything above that, because I, I do like using them. And I've got you get efficient time. Yeah. So for me, it takes a lot of pressure off my kind of lower body. It makes my legs feel stronger mm-hmm. and my upper body. But again, watching this advancement over the the the, the kind of um, the lockdown period, you went from doing more running, it became consistent. I came across when we could and we started doing a bit of, we did a couple of 
five k's in the morning round by where you were, and then we took the skyline on, and then we did um, Penny Gain. And that was the first time you've been to up to the Pennygent area. You've never seen you'd never seen Pennygent before, haven't you? I drove through the area once. You went to Settle. You went yes. to Settle, which is about seven miles away. I think. Well, I'm sure I'd seen Pennygent, but I wouldn't have known what. So it was. I want to know. You, you, I want to know what it felt like when we when you first saw that thing because you, you turn a corner coming into to Hart and you see Pennygent in front of you. How? Did, what did you think? Can I be rude? You're rude as you like. Like a little shit. <laughs> <laughs> was that as rude as you can be? Yeah, pretty much. It's a it big just, lump, it, it just, it just looks steep going up well, from is. a distance, and then it looks flat at the top. So you just, but you just think, oh, I can tell how much of a climb that's going to be. I, I have been going up there since about two thousand and eight, when two thousand nine, when I first did Pennygent by myself. And it never ceases to make me feel a little bit kind of wow. Mm. I love, I love the thing about Horton is where we park. If the weather's right from the car park, you can see straight across, and yeah. all that's in front of you is some obviously some land going up slightly, and this lump at the top. Yeah. Mm. And it just looks impressive. It's it me, does, it's the it? favorite of my Yorkshire Three Peaks, or the fa- my favorite of the Yorkshire Three Peaks. And it's the one I think if anybody wants to try a peak first, it's not the easiest. I think. Wernside, ironically, is the highest, but it's the easiest to walk. But it's the one that feels the best to do because you get a bit of everything. You've got okay. a bit of uphill. Mm. You've got a bit of scrambling and climbing up some rocks. And then you've got a quite a nice long bimble down. Yeah, through it's some gentle, gentle it? down. Mm. So it's got everything for me. Mm. But I, I always love to take people that have never seen it because I think if you are impressed by that or a little bit scared, mm-hmm. a little bit kind of cautious when you see it, yep. you're mad. Yeah. And and I, I've done the I've done the, the Orchard Three Peaks many times now. I've been up Pennygent many times, and when I go there in the morning and you're with people in the car park, they're always setting off to do the the, the peaks. And when people say, "Oh, it's up there, it looks easy," whenever they're there, I'm just I have this little giggle inside, thinking, "Okay, mm-hmm. let's see what you're like in two mm-hmm. miles time." Because the thing with that route to Pennygent is. Everyone sets off laughing and joking, like, you know, past the, the little cafe and everyone's, ha, 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 look at the lovely church, isn't this beautiful? Mm. But that route gets gets steep really quick. Quick, yeah. So all of a sudden, <laughs> to, to use a term, you know, all of a sudden you start to realise this shit just got real. Mm. And you're coming out of a place called Brackenbottom and about a mile and a half in you think, this is tough. Yeah, yeah. And bear in mind, at this point, you've not even reached the, the bit that's steep. I know. But, but I will say this, you... Blew Pennygent away. I wouldn't go that far. But... Uh, well, I'm telling you, you did because that was the quickest we've ever been up Pennygent, including me when I took I took a time once time when I, I tried to go quickly, and even I took the first bit steadier than you took it. You were up there quick. We got up Pennygent without stopping, and and I've never done that before. I normally have a stop at there's a bit where the Pennine Way crosses over. Oh yeah. Because Pennington is on the Pennine Way. So actually, if you'd get into your house and get on the Pennine Way and walk far enough... Which I'd love to do. You'd eventually get to Pennington. Don't tempt me. It's about 45 miles that up, up the end. A mere 45 miles. A mere 45 miles. miles. But you shot up it, and, and I knew then that all this work you'd done over summer, over the last 12 months, all the, the effort with your diet, with your, your training, had just come together. It's not easy, but you just kind of keep going. He's made you a stronger individual. He's made you much more yeah, confident. I think so. Your confidence levels have risen. And I almost want people who listen to this to understand that this isn't about 
becoming an athlete. It isn't about saying I can do 10K in 25 minutes or I can run, a, no, a, 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 you no. know, I can run a, a 5K sub this. It's about challenging you to push your physical body because if you are physically well, everything else in life is easier. You've got legs, use them, you know. If well, you even can. if you've not got legs, you know, if it, I, I see people that have got huge disabilities doing things that are challenging. Mm-hmm. Because the thing that limits us as human beings is not our physical body, because we've all got different bodies. It's our mindset, our mentality, yep. the ability to push yourself. And you can push too hard, and many people do, and that's a mistake. It's as much a mistake to push too hard as to not push at all. Mm. But if you can find that sweet spot, which is just above comfort zone, and you can bring in discipline, and you can bring in consistency, you can go from being somebody who can barely walk around the block into mm-hmm. somebody who can take on a 20-mile ideal challenge, which yeah. is not easy. Take on a pen again. And this weekend, you'll be doing the other two peaks. So this weekend, we've got... Ingleborough. Wernside and Ingleborough. Yeah. So Wernside's the biggest. Ingleborough is my least favourite. Why, Gareth? But for reasons you'll find out on Sunday. Oh, no, come on, tell it, it's, won't we? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's the one that I've done the least amounts. I've done... Because you do the three peaks, you do them all. But I've done... I, if I go up there and just want to do one peak, I generally do a pen again. Yeah. And I've done Wernside a couple of times. But Ingleborough is one of those that, I don't know, I just I just don't, I don't like it as much as the others. I'll tell you why, it doesn't look as impressive. Oh, okay. There's a bit we'll walk on Sunday when you, you, you're going up Wernside where you'll see the full force of, of Ingleborough. You'll see the size of it and it's huge. It does look big, it's the right lump. Mm. But then as I get up there, I kind of look to my left and I see Penny again and I sort of pine a bit for Penny Oh, again. do you? No, oh, Penny okay. over there. Yeah. So, it's my least favourite, but I still I still love it, don't get me wrong. And you're gonna have a great time. Mm, looking forward to it. But what I think you've done is you've you've embraced the negativity of the work's dropped away in because of the COVID. I mm. can't now play my heart, but you've utilized the time to make yourself physically stronger, mentally stronger. So as and when the work then starts to come back for the harp and you're gonna be in a much better frame of mind. And you've already started practicing, aren't you, for your next gig? Yeah. Well, just to say I have still been playing, but not not having a gig is difficult. You're not practicing with an, an, a goal in mind. So it's been more challenging, I'd say, to keep that, to maintain that. But after a bit of a rough weekend, I feel on it this week. Yeah. Everybody had the same opportunity you had, I had, Sue had, anybody had. We had the same opportunity, which is you could have embraced this or you didn't. Mm. So I'm going to just talk a little bit about people that didn't embrace it. If right now you listen to this and you think, Do you know what, I completely wasted the opportunity that mm. was the COVID lockdown. I stayed in my house. I didn't exercise. I didn't do anything with my diet. I ate I loads kinda, of food. I, I, I sulked and I did all that. Listen, you can turn that around now. Mm. I, don't sit there dwelling and dwindling or dwelling anymore on it. Say, okay, and maybe I didn't take the advantage I could have taken then, but I can take it now. There's four months left. And this, all you can do now, I believe, is just make the decision today. Say, you know what? I'll start walking around the block. I'll do a mile. And then I'll make that mile a mile and a quarter. And before you know it, you'll be doing two, three, four, five, six miles. But more importantly, get yourself out into nature. Even if it's just in the street you live in, being outside gives you energy. And don't sit there crying about other people, oh, I could never do that. You absolutely can. Because I think you're testimony to this. Oh, if I can, anybody can. I was averse to fitness, averse to sport. Ugh. And look at you now. Hated so what? Them. So what you've become is something that you have melded yourself into through persistence, consistency, and common sense. Yeah. And you've had them in in, in equal measures. You've had the the persistence to go out when you maybe didn't want to. Mm. You've had the consistency to keep going out 
on a regular basis and trying the same stuff, even though it felt difficult. On that note, can I just add something? The other night I was in such a foul mood and then it was going to start raining and I was just getting more and more miserable and I ran two miles in the soaking rain and felt so much better. You well, know, so... Well, that will be the final thing I'm going to say. You've, you've, you've demonstrated it there. You've also showed common sense. You've not gone out on days when it was too challenging because the weather, you didn't have the gear at the time. Mm. On days when you couldn't have gone out because you thought, I don't feel right, you've pushed yourself. You've yeah. used common sense yeah, to utilise this, this gift, which is physical exercise in the great outdoors, walking, running, whatever you want to call it, movement outside. You've, you've showed the common sense to use it to work for you. Yeah. It's not become a chore. You've not set yourself daft targets and goals and trying to be the next, you know, Damien Hill or mm. Hall. Oh, yeah. You've set yourself... Sustain it's very straightforward, sensible targets, and you, you, you're you absolutely caning them. You're the star, Evans. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but I'm enjoying it, so that's the main thing. Enjoying it. it that, yeah. So, listen, if you've what been out there, oh, 45 minutes, 45 minutes, not bad. So, listen, if you are listening to this and you, you do think, you know, I wish I'd have done a bit more of a lockdown, do it now, start today, yeah, just have a little walk. But it starts with that, you know, there's that old saying, it's that Chinese proverb in it, you know, the, the a, a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. I listen to, I like that more and more because I know now that I'm close to finishing my thousand mile journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is true, it's true. It's, everything starts with one step and then one step after another step. Yep. So whether you're doing one mile or a thousand miles, it starts with one step and just keep doing that. So don't feel like it's too late. It's never too late. And yes, you're going to say winter's coming, it's going to get colder. Buy a warm jacket, buy some warmer shoes. All I guarantee that anybody listening to this, by the fact you're actually listening to a podcast and you've got a device, will lead me to believe you have the, the gear you need to go out and start walking today. You will have a jacket, you will have some comfortable shoes, and you will have area you can walk in. Because even round Wakefield, where I live, you can find nature, even in the most built-up areas, you'll mm. find some element of nature yeah. and, and connect with it. There's little parks. But what you stuff. will find, and again, you can Google this and find them, you'll find little tracks and paths and little kind of nature reserves that you didn't even know were there. And you, Rianne, you live in Meltham, which quite frankly is one of the best places I've ever been to for somebody to be able to practice trail running. Well, I know, it's perfect. It's it? perfect. Mm. So it's going to be a good rest of the summer for you. Yep, There's only a bit absolutely. left, but we've got some big plans for autumn for you. Yep. And by this time next year, there's going to be some bigger, longer distance challenges coming. Yes. So I'm excited about taking on with you. <coughs> you will hopefully will be back to doing your harping on a more regular basis. Yeah, definitely. You're back to practicing. That's exciting as well. Yep, enjoying it. And um, you've had your haircut this morning, so you're even looking the part. Yeah, the full mashings. Right. Thank you for giving me your time this morning. Always a pleasure. And um, I'm looking forward to Saturday. See yeah. how much you Sunday. You, you, Sunday when we're walking. We're looking forward to that. So you need to get some rest this week. Oh, don't be, I will. Don't be going out doing like 15 miles on Saturday afternoon. You need to rest up a little bit. Secret miles on Strava. Don't be going on <laughs> secret miles. Thank you for your time. Hope you've enjoyed listening to this. And like I say, if you are wanting to get a little bit, know a little bit more about kind of walking, how you get into it, you know, just drop me a message on my website, garthboot.com. You can send me a, an email and I'll give you some, tell me where you live and I can give you some ideas of little walks you could take that you can kind of get into and start doing this thing. And don't sit there feeling bad. Get out and do it. So that's hopefully the takeaway today. Rianne's come such a long way by doing simple things on a regular basis. You can do the same. So instead of sitting there being gloomy and being fed up, get your trainers on, get your shoes on. Get yourself some. Get some. Go get some. Thanks for listening. Till the next podcast. Take care. Bye.